What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gowen. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Panella. What's going on, guys? It's Matt Panella, carpenter and YouTube based out of Central California. Today, we're going to be diving in with Leger Stecker and Steve Baum from Brewer Companies, and we're going to be talking with them about learning about their fast track plumbing program, Brewer University where they pay you to learn. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for yeah. having us. Thank oh, yeah, you. We always, yeah. do our, we always do our clap intro. <laughs> something clap that's Matt, Matt's trying to, to trademark. I like it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, guys. I'm really excited to jump into this episode with you. I, I have a lot of respect for what you guys are doing out in Phoenix. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a lot of hard work and uh, finally starting to see a little payoff here. And uh, feels go. good great head of steam it's all about building the foundation that's it um before we jump into it for the audience sake um just both of you give us a a short intro to brewer uh your background what you guys do at brewer and then we'll we'll jump into learning about the academy all right do you uh want me to go first steve there yeah go ahead lead her out all right yeah um so brewer companies uh started I think in 1990 by Mike Brewer. Um, he he was uh, I think he bought it from from uh, from another small contractor he was working for back back in I mean 31 years ago now. And uh, I think his the first the first employee he hired was a guy named Dave Morgan who who is still with us and runs our runs our quality initiatives here at the at the business. But 31 late, years later, here here we are. We've um you know I think for for a large part of that we were a traditional plumber like you would see um, drove out and. In, in trucks with trailers with pipe in the back of the trucks and uh, in the probably the last 15 years we've we've we really ramped up some innovation and changed the way that the business runs um, put in just-in-time inventory systems uh, we, uh, uh, we we put in production pay systems with our with our plumbers which we'll, we'll end up talking about I'm sure here in a bit and and built mobile offices for our superintendents and so we've got roughly we got Steve, 300 and some employees from, Holy Tucson, moly. from from Tucson all the way up to Phoenix, all over the place. They're all remote employees, so uh, uh, we've got a, we've got a pretty cool operations going on uh, going on now. And and then um, I, you know, I'll just introduce myself real quick. I um, Leader Stecker run the 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 um, the back the, basically the back office of the business and in all the operational side of the business and the technology. My, my role is really to support um, Steve and his team on producing. It's really, that's where the money's made. And uh, so my job is, is to make sure that they've got the tools, the resources, the information, everything that they need to, to basically do their work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, Steve Baum. Um, I'm our vice president of construction. Uh, been with Brewer Companies now for, for two years, but really I've been with Brewer Company for the last 15 years um, in partnerships. I come from the national uh, public builder side, spent uh, 18 years in the national public builders world. And, uh, you know, really what drove me here to Brewer Companies was the Brewer Craftsman Academy, right? Brewer University. And without that, I don't know that uh, I still just don't have Brewer as one of my subcontractors, but really always highly respected uh, Brewer and what they stood for uh, from a, a builder to subcontractor side. 
uh, but now I get to join the the most amazing family that there is and uh, glad to be a part of it. And Leisure does a phenomenal job of, of supporting our efforts. You know, even uh, with COVID, as COVID came about, you know, we talk about remote workforce from a superintendent standpoint and from the labor standpoint. But we, uh, as COVID came around, we immediately flipped 60 people out of our office uh, with the help of Leger and his team, and, and we're able to accomplish that very seamlessly. Steve, you said a uh, subcontractor. Uh, yeah. how, how did that come about? You joining Brewer? Yeah, so uh, uh, Tim Snyder, who's our president, invited me over to uh, be a guest speaker at our inaugural class, November of uh, 18, it was kicked off. And uh, so he invited me to come speak on, on the behalf of the builder side knowing that Brewer served as, as one of my subcontractors when I was running operations for Richmond American Homes. And so I came over and really just talked to the class. It was 22 students, uh, young men, all learning plumbing, uh, really learning what a pipe was, you know, in some cases, and, and really wanted to talk to them about how to be a craftsman of the industry uh, you know, what to expect when they show up on a Richmond job site or any home builder's job site for that matter, and, and what it means to truly be a craftsman, right? That's what we're lacking in this industry is craftsmen. And, and that's what our design and intent is behind this, not just to build plumbers, not just to build installers, but to really build craftsmen and be stewards of the industry. And uh, so I walked away from, from being a guest speaker at that first class, and I came home. You know, my wife said, hey, how was your day? And normally it was just like, eh, you know, it was, it was a day, right? I worked and, mm -hmm. and that's what it was. But I came home and I said, man, there's something amazing here. And uh, Brewers really got it going on. And I got to find out a way to be a part of this. And so, you know, a couple of weeks later, I reached out back to Tim. I said, hey, let's go have a beer. And uh, that's where it all started. That's awesome. It, it truly sounds like you guys not only enjoy what you do, but um, you're, you're helping a lot of people out. So tell us a little bit more about Brewer University. How did the concept start and why did you guys choose to start it? So I think, you know, as I understand it, again, you know, the concept was really hashed out as we were coming uh, off of the boom in 2005 to 2007. You know, there was a huge lack of labor, really not really so much a huge lack of labor, but a high demand, right? Mm -hmm. and, so, and that's where uh, everything was kind of initiated and thought. And, and then we all know what happened in 2008 in the Great Recession, and it killed uh, everybody's mm -hmm. best laid plans. Uh, so really, as we were coming back out of, of that recession and, and really starting to see a pent-up demand here for, for homing, uh, home building here in the Phoenix area, you know, we, we went to work, well, the Brewer team went to work, and uh, then I came over. So uh, they had already really laid the, the groundwork. And again, you know, every day we just try to push the initiative, you know, think outside the box, find different ways of doing things, and never settled in, in where we're at. Always moving forward. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd just throw in there a little bit too. We, um, when I, I worked originally, I worked for a, a concrete contractor for about 17 years that we partnered with Brewer um, before the housing crisis began. And we, we partnered with them and a framer, a local framer here in the valley. And we, we built um, package bids and, um, 
and then we would we we organized our our trench to frame offer to the builders so that we could we could actually you know move from trench to frame in around 21 days uh, cycle time of 21 days from concrete all the way through to uh, the end of frame stage, and um, and when I came after the housing crisis happened, I moved over to Brewer. Um, I had uh, I had built a, a relationship and a partnership with those guys, and and as as we started talking about all these systems that we were put in place, we had all these remote plumbers out in uh, all over the place plumbing however they want it. And so we, we started realizing that we like needed standards and we needed some method for training everybody to do it like the Brewer way. And so we talked about like the Brewer Academy or, or I think we called it Brewer University back then. Um, that, was, that, that, that was the original concept was like, how do we get everybody, if we have 300 plumbers out in the field, how do we get them all plumbing like the, to the same standards that we have for the company? Uh, and then one of the things, you know, as as uh, the exodus happened after the housing crisis, um, we found ourselves trying to figure out, well, not only do we have to figure out how do we have everybody plumbing the same way to our into our standards, but how do we even how do we deal with this this workforce that's aging out? I mean, I think at one point in time we had our average the average age of our workforce was fifty seven and a half years old or something like oh, that wow. a couple couple years back, mm -hmm. and it's it's completely changed now. Um, but the, so we were we were looking for we we knew we had to do something about it, and everybody's talking about it. Nobody's doing anything, and mm -hmm. uh, so we I think we we went away uh, the the executive team we go to a couple times a year, we break away and like really focus on strategy. And, and in one of those strategy meetings, uh, we call them our summits. We, uh, um, we just realized we had to take personal responsibility for building labor and we couldn't like be um, a victim of what was going on. And so I think it was, you know, Tim really was like, we're going to, we're going to start that craftsman Academy and we're going to do it. It's not, we're not only going to train people to do it to the standards that we have, but we're going to build careers for people. And we started thinking about like, like what a career is to us. It isn't like we don't we don't want to build a system that's just a that produces jobs for people. Like um, almost like you know a town they're visiting on a journey. We want to build the journey, and mm -hmm. um, and and at the same time we want to be able to build it so that we can achieve the mission of the business. Like what everybody is working at Brewer for. Like it, it it helps take care of families is really what it does. And if we're not able to achieve like certain um, objectives, uh, financial objectives inside the business. We can't, we can't support the families that work for the company. So it really, you know, spawned from that. I, I have to say that that's pretty awesome because there's so many people in this industry that talk about the problem that we have with either a skills gap or, or lack of skilled workers. And instead of simply talking about it, which you guys easily could have done for a decade now, you chose to do something about it. Um, I, I think that's awesome. So what does the program look like as somebody who doesn't know a whole heck of a lot about it? What are the courses like and what would someone experience going through it? Yeah, so uh, we hire all of our employees, right? So it's not your traditional school where you have an enrollment, you show up, you get a certificate and you're out, uh, right? And you've graduated with their certificate and you go uh, wherever you please. We're hiring these people full time. And uh, so it's eight hours a day, you know, five days a week. Sometimes, you know, even weekends, depending on, on what we got going on, but it's, uh, so we're teaching them phase specific plumbing. So whether that's soil undergrounds or top out, you know, drainage waste and vent and water supply, uh, post framing. So those are two that we're currently involved in right now. We've run uh, 11 different classes over the course of uh, two and a half years now. 
and uh, it, it's been awesome, right? So on the soil side, it's a three-month class. Uh, within that three-month class, you're led by instructors. Uh, you, so you have classroom work. We have lab work. Uh, to, in order to accomplish the lab work, we actually built a house inside of our warehouse that we use for training. And we've expanded even upon that, right? It, it started out as just a, a rough construction shell. And, you know, as we came over and we started teaching these guys on the top outside, so how do you plan for where the electrician needs to put his outlet boxes? How do you plan? Let's say we jump in front of the HVAC guys because they're, they're running behind. How do you plan to know where their dryer box is at, where their vents are penetrating the roof? How do you stay two feet away from those? You know, on, on your roof penetrations, how do you, if you're going to do a revent, what height do you do that revent at to where your electrician is not cutting your pipe out because he's got to put an outlet or a switch box in there. Um, so we've really just expanded upon that lab and that lab is really where they get a lot of hands on. And then we push them out to the field um, in, in certain trips. And then we come back into the classroom and we talk about what we saw, what we learned, uh, what our takeaways were. And it's just that constant rotation within that, that three month program for soil four month program for top out. It's a little more involved in the top out side, um, uh, especially as you start getting into two stories and, and doing the soil above yeah. your head. Right. Um, so a little more critical there. Um, after that, that three and four month program, you're turned out into what we refer to as our apprenticeship program. Um, within that apprenticeship program, you have uh, six weeks where you're paired. We call it paired with peer rotation. So every two weeks, you're going with an established plumber of that particular phase that you've been training in, whether it be soil or top out, and you get to see his speed, his quality, his standards, his tips and tricks. And then two weeks, you're flipped over to another guy, and you're learning his quality, his standards, his speed, his tips and tricks. And we do that for six weeks after that. They're out on their own, but they're not really uh, alone, right? So one of the things that yeah. we found is man, these guys still like, they're not top out plumbers. They're not soil plumbers at this stage of the game. They have enough and, and understand the fundamentals and the basics, but they still haven't experienced everything that construction will throw at you. Right. Cause construction is ever changing. Oh, yeah. And so it, it started taxing our superintendents, right. And our superintendents are out there to run production and, and verify and uphold quality and standards. But if you're trying to do that globally and then you have all these new guys that, you know, are making mistakes, they're young, they're learning and they're just becoming a taxation on the supers. So we brought in mentor coaches and, and we, you know, sacrifice some of our best uh, plumbers, whether they be soil plumbers or top out plumbers. And their dedicated role is to ensure that they're touching these, you know, we refer to them as cadets. Um, when they're in the program, apprentices after they turn out, but they're touching these apprentices and cadets throughout the program to make sure they're holding the standard. They're holding that quality, that brewer quality that we're all after. And so now you freed up your superintendent to do his job. And uh, so another uh, 10 weeks on, on that apprenticeship. And, and the goal there is that they've made an effective hourly rate, which is far exceeding what the hourly rate is that we're paying them. And they're ready to go on their own as piece rate workers at the end of that 10 weeks. I, I could sit here and ask you questions about this all day. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it fairly quick. Um, 
one, what does it take for someone to get into this? Like what, what are the requirements? And then two, you mentioned there's like a two phase, there's the beginning and then you actually get out in the field and do your thing. Are you paid throughout the whole process? You're paid throughout the whole entire process. They pay and, you to uh, learn, Matt. Yeah. We need to go sign up. <laughs> I'm going to be a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the requirements as far as like, how do, how do you find these people? Is there a waiting list? Like, You know, so it's funny. In class one, as I mentioned, we had 22 students yeah. and we had 22 applicants right oh wow <laughs> and, i love it yeah, 100 percent success rate yeah exactly <laughs> we're really just about filling seats right but yeah. you know, we're never satisfied in what we do um so our takeaway there was we still have two employees from class one that's it right so high attrition rate we got a lot of money pumped into this and and we realized that we don't know shit about educating right <laughs> that that was like our first takeaway qualifying so, qualifying yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we've got uh, 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 a professor from Grand Canyon University who's got a master's in education. He came over and joined our team and he said, well, where's your curriculum? Oh, I guess we need a curriculum. We need right? one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we've learned every step of the way, um, but, but it's fun and it's challenging and you know, so our last class that we had with uh, right as, as COVID was coming about, we we actually have modified to the point where we have a two-week boot camp, right? And so with the social distancing and everything that was required within COVID, uh, we, we knew that within the classroom, we could safely fit distance uh, eight to 10 people. So we hired 16. We didn't put them in the classroom. We ran through some safety uh, general job site safety requirements and got everybody together and said, take a look around in two weeks, six of you won't be here. Oh, wow. And, you know, you so, that so really home. your requirement is you got to want it and you got to bring it, you know, and, and assimilate into our culture and our core values, because again, it, it's not about plumbing, right? We just happen to do plumbing, but we're really about driving that culture, driving those core values and creating a place where people can earn a very respectable living for their family and provide for their family. And, and you just happen to do plumbing as a byproduct of that. So that's a good point that you bring up, Steve. Matt, if you if you remember um, from our uh, interview with Jeff Harvey, the last one, episode 12, uh, he talked a lot about what Steve is talking about, where um, they're providing a living, uh, they're, they're building a business and they just happen to do carpentry. That's yep. the same thing that Brewer yep. is saying is they're, they're putting food on the table, building careers, and they just happen to do plumbing. And it's just, the same way that everybody needs to think about building their, uh, their business and their crew is yeah. it's, you know, it's that, it's that byproduct of and, what you provide. You're giving them and, a place to strive, but this is what she just so happened to do. Yeah, but and 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 we respect the craft though, right? Like it is, yeah. it, we do happen to do plumbing, but but we're um we're we're um proud of the work we do and the craft of plumbing and the and so it's like we're we're, we're about uplifting that as well. Yeah, I, I saw somewhere on your guys's website you do require a high school diploma, correct? We do. Okay, we do. so I I had an Instagram post recently where I talked about. Uh, dropping out of high school because I get a lot of people that are asking me if it's something that's worth doing or if it's a mm -hmm. a recommendation of mine. I, I dropped out of high school at a young age um, due to 
personal reasons. I had kids young, but I try to tell everybody to go, go get your diploma, finish high school, because that is like the very, the very least you can do. And from there, you have the ability to join something like the Brewer Academy here and go the distance. But without that high school diploma, there's no chance. And I I don't, I don't know about your guys' point of view, but to me, getting your diploma and finishing high school shows that you can follow through with something and complete it. It, I was just going to say that it's about the completeness. Like you have to finish that. Exactly. If you can't get your diploma, chances are you're not going to follow through on all that much in life. Yep. That's coming from a dropout. So yeah. Yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right though. Right. It it shows that you have drive and and that you've chosen that you want to do something in your career and, and we're not opposed to, you know, anybody like we're, we're, we're all about second chances, third chances, right? We're not looking for uh, always the absolute model citizen that yep. has gone through grade school and high school with a 4.0 average and graduated valedictorian. Nine times out of 10, that's not the guy that's knocking on our door, right? But what we yeah. do want is people that are passionate, you know, about something, right? And it doesn't even have to be about the industry, you know, nine times out of 10, they don't even understand what the industry means to them. Right. But we have guys from, from a class that graduated in early 2020, or I'm sorry, early uh, 2019. And, and that guy, he learned soil and he made over $80,000 last year, you know, and, but it's all about drive. Right. Yeah. And, and he goes out and he wants it and he gets it and he just has that drive to do it and he enjoys it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what we're after. We're after people with passion. Mm-hmm. I, I have two questions. Um, you, you were talking about the, the mentoring and the phases of uh, soil and topping out and everything. Are they, is that like, are they rotating through different phases? So they get experience with various phases of whatever's going on. Like they yep. get to rotate between mentors and also what's going on in the field. Did right. I understand so, that correctly? Uh, so you did not understand it correctly, but that's all right. Um, so that's we, why we ask. That's all good. We uh, so we specify, you know, a, a phase, and you're a soil guy. Um, okay. You know, after watching you operate throughout that that boot camp, you know, we can kind of get a pretty good assessment of where your skills are, right? If if you're not good on a shovel, but you're good on a hammer, you're probably going to be a top out guy, right? If you're good with a pick, then let me tell you, you're probably going to be a soil guy. <laughs> and uh, but so they do learn just that one specific phase, but we have had um, eight of our, of our previous graduates have reinvested in themselves, right? So they've made it through piece rate and they're, they're making great money, but they say, I'm not satisfied in just knowing soil. I'm not satisfied in just knowing top out because the workload shifts, right? We're, we're at the mercy of the starts as they're released from, from our builder partners. And so you may be slow on soil and heavy on top out. And if you're a soil guy, you might not have work that day, right? So they keep reinvesting in themselves and learn that second phase. And it's just adding their value, right? So their ability to provide for their family. And so when it's slow on soil, guess what? I know top out. I'm going to bounce in and I'll do top outs for you. When soils pick back up, I'm good or vice versa. And, And so it's great to see those people reinvest. And when I say reinvest, right, they're going from, you know, a, a excellent effective hourly rate on piece rate and then coming back into the class at, at the hourly rate that every other cadet is being paid at. 
but for them, it's, it's just a step, right? That says a yeah. lot about the students you guys have going through that program. That's something that I've always preached is um, such as 2008 recession hit. A lot of the people that only knew how to do rough framing were out of work. And the people that knew how to remodel or do anything and everything, they stayed working. Um, mm. That's awesome that you guys allow that. And not only that, you push for it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, Highly so you brought up uh, when you said 22 students, two have stayed, right? That's, out of our first class. That's correct. Yeah, out of your first class. Um, obviously, I'm going to dive into deeper, but I'm sure you guys learned a lot about that retention because that's more on the spectrum of really bad. But I'm curious because there was kind of a turning point for you guys when COVID hit and the qualification and everything what were you guys able to iterate on the program and actually improve? Cause now I know your guys' retention numbers are a lot different. Walk us through that experience of some of those key lessons that you, that you gained from that. Yeah, I'll, so- I'll, I'll, Steve, I'll let you go down that path, but I, I would, I would correct one thing. We, 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 with every single class, we would look at it and say, uh, what didn't go right here? What could we do mm-hmm. better? I mean, Steve and I and the rest of the executive team realize how much money we're putting in this thing. And it's not like a traditional college where a college is not, inve- they, they don't care about how successful you are. You pay them not your tuition. Bit. They, through, they want you, that you, money. No, that's it. And then they send you out and they say, good luck, right? For us, mm-hmm. we're like, you got to come into this program, but you have to be successful because if you're not, we just wasted a ton of money. And, and it's yeah. like, so, so we're, we're really investing the return. So with every single class, we'd look at it and say, what didn't go right here, right? Like, so Steve brought up earlier that we, we brought in a guy from Grand Canyon uh, University that helped us build the curriculum. We realized that we needed to build a, a manual and we had to make sure that those standards in that manual matched what my team is, is engineering and what Steve's team is constructing, right? And then we realized that, oh, we, you know, we need tools here. We need iPads for the guys. We need to be able to put this stuff out digitally to them. And we built the, we built the facility, but all those went along with um, like the, each class, what we learned from each class. And you're, mm-hmm. you're right, uh, Breck, you're right that we did hit a point like recently where things just started clicking really well for us. But I would say that we improved with every single thing, with every class we've done. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And, and like I said, we're never settled with mediocrity and we're always pushing that envelope, right? And so, you know, as we've seen our graduation rates decrease, uh, we've seen our retention rates increase, right? And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's what we designed there, right? So before 22 people pushing them through the class, guess what? All 22 graduated. Why? Because we just wanted 22 people and say, man, we graduated 100%. Uh, but really looking back on it, we learned that for one, we probably didn't have the right people to begin with. Uh, but secondly, we just accepted what they, what they, how they applied themselves, right. In that mm-hmm. class and what they learned. And, and then we pushed them out without an apprenticeship program and they failed. Right. Yeah. But maybe we failed them. And again, it's it's part of learning, and, and that's one of our core values is always be learning, and that's one of the things that we challenge ourselves, right? And and the inverse of that is always be teaching as well, right? So that's, you know, the mentor coach plays a huge role and how he holds yeah. the standards and has that interaction. Again, added more mentor coaches, you know, so, so there's more one-on-one time with these, these cadets as they're turning out field ready. 
and, and really making sure they're holding that line and, and reinforcing those standards and quality. I wanted yeah. to I wanted what? to bring that up real quick. That that is completely mind blowing. Not only do you guys care that these people learn, but you have to have every single employee, every journeyman on board with this teaching process as well in order for this to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, for you know, a, and, and our, our veteran guys, you know, at first they were very intimidated were by, they? you know, by the cadets. Like, oh, you guys are building these people to take my job. See, and you have like, to no. break down that wall, that that mentality that they're going to take your job. There, There is plenty of jobs out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I wasn't you know, sure that we were going to go ob- there. And it's our obligation, our obligation to make sure we, you know, pave that path in front of them with work. Right. So we, yeah. we know what we're doing. We know when we bring on a class, like how much work we, we need, we, we can accept in the future and what commitments we can make to our builders. And, and that's, I think one of the biggest problems that I see that, that people with even out the Academy have is they make commitments they can't keep. And so we've got to, we got to be able to do it, but it's to two constituents. It's the, it's the home builders that we, that we make promises to, you know, and it's the employees that we're, that we're bringing on and making promises to. So those two things, if we don't, if we're not, if we're not solid there, then we end up in some sort of trouble, right? Yeah. No, if you, if you take on way too much and you don't have the people to back it, uh, you guys have some explaining to do. Yeah. Talk to us. I, I want you guys to talk to us a little bit more about the the issue that you just brought up. Um, you know, your, your journeyman out in the field and then that next generation of cadets and apprentices coming in, working with them and the fear of like taking the job and everything. We, we had uh, an 18 year old lead carpenter that, that came onto our podcast several episodes ago. And we talked about that, like the dynamic between the next generation and people who are significantly more veteran than them. And like how they can work better together. Um, I really just want to understand how you guys have been able to facilitate that because I think that's probably one of the biggest issues is not only getting labor into the industry, but it's also helping the more veteran guys work with the younger guys coming in. So not only do you have a barrier and friction on labor, but the acceptance of new labor. Mm -hmm. And so how you guys have been able to adjust with that. And so that acceptance of new labor has really been twofold, right? As Leader spoke it, you know, it's really about uh, our home builders, you know, which are our ultimate customers and also our existing labor force. And so we have our, our typical hard hats out there in the field are white brewer hard hats. And for the, for the BCA, for the Craftsman Academy, we gave all those cadets blue hard hats. To, to signify that they were different, right? But the problem is they became labeled as they came out that the blue hat guys didn't know <laughs> jack shit. And, and, um, you know, you get don't builders, ask that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you get builders call and go, man, like, can I get some white hard hat guys out here? And the white hard hat guys are intimidated, thinking that we're building blue hard hat guys to take their job. No shit, you and, actually get builders calling up asking for white. <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's real right oh. and uh so you know they have that they have that uh um uh, uh man they, they've got that identity out there right that's that's mm-hmm. almost labeled to them and you know really what we're trying to do is create a, a bunch of veterans out there right and a bunch of guys that understand our quality and understand our standards and really uphold those so we went away from the blue hard hats and now you can't tell the white hard hats from the oh, white nice. hard hats. 
they're so, off white now. <laughs> now they're just mixed in. Yeah. But we did a, we did a gray. Yeah. You have to turn yeah. one person, right? One veteran yeah. plumber who's kind of that we all have that union leader, right? That mm-hmm. that exists out there. And he's like the spokesman for, for all of brewer labor. And you got to turn that one person. And then once that person is accepting of that newer labor and understanding that he's not looking to replace you, man, we're looking to add to you and you get those guys working together. And then all of a sudden, again, it's all about culture. It's all about values. And you just work those guys together. You allow those younger apprentices to work underneath that peace guy and you don't take anything away from that peace scale, right? He's, he's essentially free labor for you. So he's there to learn and shadow you and, and learn your tips and tricks. And you can pass on some of your knowledge to him. And we've really turned it around to where our veteran plumbers are saying, man, I really wish this was available to me when I came into the industry. You know, they understand how to plumb. They don't understand why they're doing certain things yep. that they're doing, right? They learn their why because the inspector said to change it. They don't understand the code behind it. And within the Craftsman Academy, we're teaching to code, we're teaching to standards. And so these guys actually share some knowledge back with those veteran plumbers. Mm -hmm. Hey, you understand how to do this? Do you know why you do this? And, and, you know, as you meet that common ground, now all of a sudden there's a bond, right? So you have something to offer him. He has something to offer you. and, And it's really taken hold. And I'd take, I'd take two, just two, two things there too, that he brought up. One, one was um, my, my team, I, I run a group of centralized schedulers. So they're, they have an obligation to make sure these veteran guys are getting the guys that have been working for years, producing tons of work for us that, that, that they are taken care of. So like um, we, we make sure that we manage that workforce in a way where that th- there isn't that threat. Like the threat gets just completely eroded um, by the way that we make sure we take care of, of those guys. The other thing that he mentioned was uh, one, of the, one of the problems that we, we came across was we were teaching like to code and to all these different standards in the Craftsman Academy and they'd come out into the field and they'd start working with guys that had been here for 20 years that did it their own way, did it differently. And so we had to reconcile a lot of that where, and it was a good thing for us. Like we realized, you know, there's people doing it different ways out in the field and we're training one way and we're estimating another way. And so we, we, we brought that all together. And I think we've really ironed out like um, uh, how everyone in the entire field does it. And, and I would say that not every, every person that was with us when we started this made it, there were a few that um, just, just couldn't hack the way we were moving and, They moved on and it's worked out. I I wanted to ask about that too, because there's the old saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Have you guys had trouble? I mean, obviously it sounds like it, but have you had trouble with teaching the people that were with you prior to this academy, learning the ways that you're obviously trying to shape the business as a whole? Are are they going through some, some sort of training as well to get up to speed on the way that you guys do things? Yeah. So uh, uh, weekly, uh, between our our teams, leaders, and, and my team, we send out weekly what we call hotspots to our team, right? And that may be uh, something that needs to be brought to, to attention because of a rash of warranty calls um, or a number of QC inspections that have occurred out there in the field and we're seeing things that aren't installed properly or yeah. may not be up to code or there's a process change, right? Or something we want to standardize, right? Yep. Yeah. 
Make and uh, so we, we send out hotspots to each plumber's phone and every plumber takes, and, and even supers, assistants, mentor coaches, the whole, the whole company takes these hotspots to really get an understanding of what standard are we after? What is the brewer standard? Show me some pictures of it done correctly. Show me some pictures of it done incorrectly. And then three or four questions at the end to make sure, hey, I really got it or no, I don't got it. And I'm going to ask uh, my super or a mentor or somebody, you know, some clarifying questions around this. But we send those out weekly to our whole entire team. And I take them. Yeah, exactly. We've been doing that. We've been doing that before we even started the, the BCA. And so I think a lot of the veterans have just, it's just kind of um, organically uh, worked the way it, it, it works right now. I don't, I mean, I think, I don't think that they resist what we're, we're trying to do. Like I said, there, there may have been a handful, a few guys that just didn't, didn't work in our culture and bounced yeah. out. But for the, the vast majority, everybody is just learning together. And we've been able to bring all those systems like in some sort of standardization, right? And, and, and what we did, we, we put a learning management system. We gave every plumber an iPhone. So every one of our plumbers has a phone. They, we communicate their schedules. They get, the jo- they get job details and information. They get their pay detail on it. And they, get, they have a, um, a learning management system app on their phones that they run, that they do these hotspots. They do all their safety trainings. So all that stuff. And it goes out to everybody. So everybody's going through the same thing, right? So you have went the distance to, to really make this as easy as possible for everybody involved. Yeah, you know, you have to, right? Because if, if you sit in a, a, a meeting room and you talk to six people and you hope that those six people go out and tell, you know, their eight people and those eight people tell their eight people by the end of it, you lost your message, right? So, now you're installing stuff upside down mm-hmm. and backward. And, and this is just a way of communicating... Uh, clear concise very quick and this is the point this is the standard there's yeah. really there's really no excuse as to why you didn't hear about something or, or know about it because everybody gets the same message Absolutely. yeah we, we've really had to build systems i mean i think i'm one of, i was listening to one of your guys's podcasts earlier where you were talking about the challenges with big companies versus small companies and the one challenge with big companies is exactly what, what Steve is saying is like being able to follow through and push that communication all the way out to the front lines. And uh, so making sure you have the systems in place and the tools, and then we're constantly trying to reevaluate them and figure out how do we make them easier? How do, how, I mean, I, I, I don't want people searching around a million apps and trying to, trying to um, have to learn a whole bunch of technology and in addition to the plumbing that they're trying to learn, I yeah. want to make it easy and, and right in their face and, and something that they, that's like, like they don't resist, right? Streamline the process for them. Yep. Quickly, is, uh, do you think technology has created more friction in the field? Because, I mean, we're starting to see a wave of leisure, and I, I just really want some of your thoughts around it. Because, I mean, you'd say like a million apps, and I can definitely attest to there are a million apps out there. And is it, is it providing to be more of a headache in the field or is it making things easier? I, I mean, I think there are challenges with, with, with teaching people in the field that are not used to using technology, technology. But yeah. um, uh, I think in, 
all it's making things easier. You, I'll tell you what really what really showed up to me was COVID. So everybody's resisting all the technology we have in yeah. place, right? Like nobody wants, we've got these iPhones out there. You've got time and attendance apps on them. You've got your learning management system on there. You, you all your communication apps that they're using and, and, um, nobody's doing that. We, we have a lot of job. We have um, like the easy e-forms that they use on their iPhones for job completes and quality mm-hmm. control checklists and stock orders, all that kind of stuff. Nobody's using them. Right. And they're, they're still handing in paper, paper time cards. They're still handing in paper um, stock order forms. COVID hits and it's almost overnight. Everybody's using them. Like, so, <laughs> so like it, like it, it, the adoption just went like nuts. And it's so just a pandemic. Yeah, because they don't now they don't want they don't want to be around anybody anymore, right? They they want to do use the digital tools, and then all of a sudden they start realizing this is a lot easier than than, than writing on paper and like meeting somebody on a on a at a location with a group of people. So I think um, COVID is probably the one thing it has helped mm-hmm. is the adoption of technology, and my job is really to figure out how to make it simple and not in in, in a way um, help the plumbers and all of our company use technology and not resist it because it's so simple, right? That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to do is design it that way. Yeah. Very well put. I was going to make a comment that uh, everybody's chief technology officer was COVID this year. (laughs) (laughs) It's very true. Especially in construction. I have learned how to do everything without communicating in person with people. And I love it. Yeah, I went to a meeting the other day uh, in person for probably the first time in in the last year, and I didn't even bring a business card. I said, I don't even have business cards. Like, I I don't even know how to meet in person anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to figure out how to structure a conversation. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But I want to talk to you guys about a really important concept. Uh, I'm very curious, like, why a bunch of people aren't just adopting this brewer academy and you guys have talked about the how much it actually takes to invest i don't know the dollar amount that you guys have per student it, are you willing to share that that it takes it's a to whole invest a lot of money okay <laughs> we'll just go with that we'll just go like with several dollar signs but but i'm curious like uh the investment why are other builders and subcontractors eating this up and just copying your academy talk to us about like the investment it takes the bottom line all of that you know, it's really, it's, I think it's a fear really of, of the unknown. It's a fear of putting your dollars to work in a hope that you're going to get a return on the investment. Right. But I will tell you that the return on investment has been huge. You know, it's allowed us, you know, last year, 19% growth. We couldn't have done that if we didn't have a class. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and those were our intentions and that was our strategy that we are in and our intentions and our strategy for this year are additional growth. The next year, additional growth, right? As the market allows, and, and we're going to constantly evaluate what the market, what we feel is going to give us, you know, in that one year horizon of time and that three year horizon of time. And, and we get a pretty good pulse on that by the amount of bids that are coming in, right? And kind of what the economists are, are saying, um, Arizona is a hot spot. You know, so uh, there, there's a lot of people fleeing here, uh, primarily from from California. Um, sure, you know, got a so, lot I'm of, sorry. A lot of transports coming. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're responsible for our highways right now. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Trust but me, I, I'm leaving too. 
<laughs> it's a great question, you know, and so we're finally at a point where, you know, we're open book, right? So anyone listening to this podcast, you know, feel free to look up Leisure Stecker, look up Steve Baum, give us a call, man, and or shoot us a LinkedIn message. Um, we're an open book, right? We got nothing to hide behind. If we go out and we build a, a hundred plumbers or we build a thousand plumbers, but nobody else is doing anything on the labor side, then why did we build them? Right. Yeah. Because all we're going to do is bottleneck the and bottleneck and bottleneck and, and the pig through the snake will never get through it. Right. So we need the concrete guys. We need the framers. We need the electricians. We need the HVAC, the workforce 42 in trades to build a house. You know, all 42 trades should be having some sort of a program to bring in additional labor. And, and we're finally at that point where we're starting to get some some people that reach out and say, how are you doing it? how you know we're, we see the impact we see your identity out there you know blue hats have gone away everyone got all these <laughs> new white hats running around where are all these white hats coming from and, and it's again. really just focused marketing you know vast majority of it straight through facebook with the targeted demographic you know and our targeted demographic is that age range of like 20 to 28 and, and we want people that have had a few jobs you know, haven't worked out, have a few hard knocks in life. Maybe they've got a family to support. Maybe they've got a wife to support, but, but they know they need to do something that's fulfilling for them. They maybe and, have the drive, but don't know where to put it. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, college isn't for everyone. We all know that. And, you know, my dad was a general contractor and he told me stay away from construction, right? You can't make anything for yourself in construction. And uh, you can tell that I listened really well as a kid. <laughs> and, uh, you know, here I am. But, but, you know, to kind of cross over that point of college isn't for everyone. And you've got these parents that still have this mentality that I want my kid to go to college. And so what we've been able to do is with South Mountain Community College, this is a local uh, college here in Arizona. I've actually uh, built a CTE program for them where it's got plumbing. It's got framing and it's got electrical. So I sought out, you know, the, the top industry leader um, on the framing side and the top industry leader on the electrical side. They're the sponsors. We're, we sponsor the plumbing side. And it's a CTE program where we offer 100% interviews to those that successfully complete the, the plumbing certificate. That's awesome. And then they're doing the same thing on the, on the framing and electrical side. And then if we have 22 people that we can accept in a class hopefully one day after COVID. Um, but we have 97 applicants like we did on our last class. How do I push those people into the industry in some way, right? Mm -hmm. And so flipping them into South Mountain Community College is a great mm -hmm. way for them to say, I'm committed. I'm fulfilling what my parents want me to do. I'm going to college, but construction is the industry for me. So there's nothing wrong with that. There's really no shame in it. There's we're, we're getting past that stigma that construction is not for, I don't know, it's always been for criminals and stuff. And we're, we're getting past that. We, we really are. And what it's taken is getting away from more of like the, the track work to taking pride in what you do. As you guys have talked about, um, all of your employees actually care about the work they're putting out. You guys care about the work they're putting out. And that really sets the bar. You're not going to have people that are, are bottom feeders wanting to put out that top quality work. And it takes people like you guys that are really going to change the industry. Yeah. I, 
I, the one other thing I'd add to what Steve was saying is, um, I think just like we experienced, uh, we, uh, we we're tradesmen first, right? So when yeah. it came to like trying to figure out how to run a school, we don't, we don't have any idea about that, right? I don't I think, think any of us do. <laughs> I think a lot of people are like, they're like, oh, all I can see is the costs that are going to go into this, but how, how do I produce the return, right? And so I think what Steve and Tim Snyder, our president, and there's a, there's a whole group of people at Brewer are willing to do is kind of go teach everybody like what we did wrong, like what, what not to do and how to yeah. think about like how to invest in, in, in people to, to, to build a career for themselves to take care of their families. And, and like what that looks like, you know, modeled out and like, and, and, and what are the, what are the things that we did that we wouldn't do again? And, and I, so I, I think a lot of people don't know what that is. I mean, there's a lot to know. You got to know the financial capital behind it, the human, like you got to have the right people doing the right things in, in the whole program, how you market, like Steve was talking about marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, how at first we didn't know what we were doing to figure out how to get people even interested in the program. Now we've got more people interested than we can, than we can take, which is, which is great for us. Cause then we can yeah. figure out, you know, who in the, the biggest, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things we learned was how to qualify. How do we really know? And in the way that I was qualified as a kid, um, I was thrown out on a crew and they, they, they make you do the worst jobs on, on that crew that you, that you could possibly think of. And they see if you stick around, and you come back the next day. Right. Yeah. So, so we didn't, we didn't do that at first. At first we were like Steve was mentioning at first, when we brought people in um, they would have been pushed out in like the traditional way of being trained and uh, we kept them on. And then we learned mm -hmm. that later that they didn't, they didn't last. Right. So I think we've learned a lot through this and we can, we can teach and help a lot of people figure that out. So we're moving away from the the uh, the grab a broom apprenticeship. Yeah, there's no uh, board stretchers. There's no sky hooks anymore. Like, yeah, it doesn't exist. Left handed hammers. <laughs> I wanted to connect the dots for a sec because you we were we were just talking about why why aren't more people doing this? And I, I think a lot of it comes from that comfort zone because a lot of contractors, as as you guys have said, we're not teachers. We, we know the trade and that's what we know. Um, I, I have a lot of different how-to and tutorial videos on YouTube, but I'm far from a teacher. There's, I, I would be scared as hell to do what you guys have done. And I think a lot of contractors think the same way. You're doing something that we know how to build houses. We don't know how to teach a classroom. Um, I, I honestly think you guys went out on a, on a limb here and it worked and hopefully people see that you guys have done it and have been very successful doing it and they follow along, but it's definitely getting out of that comfort zone to potentially risk a lot, but obviously the reward's been high. It is. And, and we've run, you know, 162 cadets through our class over 11 classes and, you know, our retention rate is 57%. That is and, and awesome. We were a little down on that, right? You really? Know, we're brewers so like we we want to we want to be high achievers and i love it seven percent right that sounds low but you know we talk to others in the industry you know that have run classes of their own and and getting feedback from them and they're saying man you know my retention rate's about 11 percent holy holy cow now we feel amazing about now you guys <laughs> yeah. like that's a big uptake from the there. two too yeah right. yeah we're still not settled there but, uh, you know, we're always striving for more. And, and the one thing that I will tell a trade contractor uh, or anybody out there that, that's thinking about entertaining this program, don't be afraid to sacrifice the best producer 
and the highest quality person in your organization for the sake of passing down that trade to others. It, it really, it sounds scary giving up that volume, giving up that production, uh, but it will pay dividends and, and we've proven it out, you know, put those people in a mentor role, put those people in an instructor role. And, and it's a limited moment in time that you're sacrificing them for a, a payout that continues down mm-hmm. through that process. Right. And really build those support structures on the backside that he's talking about. He just mentioned the mentor coaches, but we've all, we've also, we, one, one role we haven't mentioned was our, we have an employee care specialist and that person drives around all day long meeting with employees. And one of the things we found is that, you know, we've got like a remote workforce. We never see anybody. They don't come into the office because of mm-hmm. the, our model. We, we drop ship materials to the job site. They, they meet the materials at the job site and they install them. So they never come to the office. So we don't, we don't get what a traditional contractor would get, which is like feedback at the office when they're turning in their time cards. Right. We don't get that. Mm-hmm. So, we had an employee, employee care specialist that would, and we, we, we put them in a, in a uh, we, we had to hire somebody that could have a conversation with every plumber out there, like a sincere conversation and get sincere feedback. And once we started doing that, we started hearing all kinds of things that we didn't know. And, and that kind of support with the mentor coaches, and then you put the superintendents and our directors of our field on top of that, it's, it really makes, it, it produces a system for success for those, for those employees. When you say that, that they were kind of opening up to this person, are you talking about work specific or, or more, is it, is it personal at all? Because both, we, both, both we, like we so- talked on a podcast about this because the construction industry is known for just keeping quiet. Don't talk about feelings. And as soon as you said that you had somebody that literally went around just talking to employees, it clicked. Yeah. And that, that is awesome. That's something that I I really wish more people would do because it's a serious topic and it's something that a lot of people should have in place. Every day, Steve and I get a report uh, from our executive team gets a report from the employee care specialist on all the people he's talked to that day and all the challenges that have come up, like all the conversations I mean, it's a lot of times it is personal. Sometimes it yeah. is, I mean, but sometimes it's like, we, we realize this guy is super frustrated because he keeps getting, he's on jobs where the parts don't show up, right? Like he's, we, you know, and that was another thing with COVID. We've got all kinds of logistic issues where um, logistics issues where we've got like stuff on back order and things not showing up, but we'll get this feedback and we'll be able to address it where in the past they would just harbor it and build like maybe resentment and frustration. And they get pissed and, off more yeah. or less and they have nobody to talk to about it so mm-hmm. yeah it just gets bottled up and then one day they quit and they, they messed out on something much bigger that's awesome that you guys have that in place that's something that's something everybody should have because the the mental health of your employees um, whether it be work-related or home situations is really important yeah we, and and that's one of the things that that i wanted to touch on a little more you know as the craftsman academy as a whole like we're teaching plumbing right? But beyond plumbing, we're teaching life, right? We're teaching financial responsibility. We're teaching, you know, putting away for a rainy day, you know, you're going to go out there and you're, you have the potential to make 80, a hundred thousand dollars in your first year, year and a half coming out of school. If you've got the motivation and the drive, right? You've got the want it. And just because you're making $80,000 doesn't mean you go out and you buy that 21 Denali, you know, 
because and trust me, I love it when the guys buy a 21 Denali because that means they're going to show up every day for work, right? Yeah. So they've got a responsibility to a thousand dollar truck payment. They have a very big responsibility. Teach them, right? Like buy a reliable $20,000 truck. that's going to yeah. make you a boatload of money, you know, and then put some money aside and then pay cash for that 24 Denali. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't go out there and buy a 21 just because you can like, I've put away for a, that rainy day. I've worked with a lot of kids at a high school level. And that's one of the first things I see. They hit that union job. They get that union pay flow coming in. And before you know it, it's off the lot Tacoma. And I'm like, oh, that was 62 grand. <laughs> or the, the brand new diesel. I'm like, man, that was a house in Idaho. Like you, right? come on, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask the golden question here. Um, Honestly, what's next for the program? I, I think you guys have a lot in place already. I think you guys have things dialed in, but what's coming? Yeah, so uh, what's coming is a, a spinoff of, of the BCA to, to Brecht's question. You know, are the guys learning top out and soil all in the same class? Uh, we've got a spinoff and it's, you know, through the Brewer University Brewer Craftsman Academy and it's called B-Training, right? So B-T-R uh, reigning, right? And so BTR is build the rent and, and build the rent is hitting the Phoenix market, you know, by storm. It's been around for quite some time, but these investors are coming in. They're building these, these build the rent communities that they're very simplistic in nature. Right. And so how do we train these guys are little single stories sometimes uh, attached to, you know, one, one bathroom house attached to a, a two bathroom house. Um, sometimes it's a, a two bath house that's attached to a two bath, but very simple in design, the same plans over and over and over and over again. And it's, you know, eight to 10 a week run rates. And so our target, as we've had these builders and developers asking us to take on these projects, uh, what's next is we're going to teach these guys both soil and top out and just keep them in that project. Right. And so they're just going to be doing repetition, 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 and they're going to perfect that trade and, uh, and be able to do both soil and top out. That's awesome. You, you have to be able to do everything. That's how you yeah. stay alive in this industry. Absolutely. I want to, I want to ask you guys a, a question around labor. Cause that's what I geek out on all the time. Um, you guys are very technology focused, uh, building more effective labor and everything. And I've kind of been wrestling with this idea and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it, but the future worker and the future craftsman, okay? We hear a lot about a lot of the buzzwords, the piecework components, new technology, generational workforce shift, every other buzzword, right? Do you think the modern worker is moving towards becoming a more specialized one or one that's able to laterally move between adjacent trades and maximizing their skill and career progression? When you say adjacent trades, do you mean like moving from like concrete to, yeah. to plumbing and plumbing to framing? I don't mm -hmm. think it's necessarily. See, that's the thing. I, I have touched base on this so many different times. I don't think anybody should be jumping to plumbing or from plumbing to this or from framing to electrical. It's more or less like when, when you think of the old school carpenter, you think foundation, framing, siding, um, maybe trim out inside. I, I don't think, Breck, that plumbing and electrical, HVAC, I don't think any of those fall in. That's more of a specialty. I, 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 do, yeah. I, do, I do think that there's going to be some, some 
um, competitive pressures that change scopes of work. But I don't know if it's going to be necessarily like entire, like, you know, concrete to plumbing, but it could be that some of the scope that one trade does today could be encompassed by another trade. And so some of the people working inside that trade could end up doing it. I'll give you some examples. Um, you guys have probably heard of, of RIA. I don't know if you've heard of RIA, but it's a, it's a small diameter ductwork HVAC company, right? So they, 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 they put like, um, they, they're a manufacturer. They manufacture small diameter ductwork. It's much like PEX. So yeah. you could imagine that a, a top out plumber who pulls pecs through a house could also pull small diameter ductwork through a house could also pull low voltage lighting through a house so like you could see how maybe some of these scopes might get um shifted a bit but it really is going to depend like for for high production residential single family housing it's really going to depend on like how um how the technology develops and evolves with like between trades and and like when if they're bimming like if they bend the structurals and we bim the meps um, so that you've got a, a full-blown building information model, then and, and you got you got framers that are pre-drilling and pre-notching walls, then you can you can build systems if you've got an integrated trade structure where you can start pulling multiple things at the same time. But I don't think that you really turn a plumber into a concrete guy Thank or you. a concrete guy into a framer. Yeah. I don't know. I I, 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 I wanted you. I wanted you to go deeper into the, and the skill thing, what, what you just touched on leisure, because I think there is some opportunity there just because of the advancements of technology and material. I don't think it, for my personal thing, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a thing where people are completely moving across adjacent trades. Um, but I'm always curious about asking that question. Like the specialization obviously puts friction on labor, right? Um, but it's like, how can you train people to take on new skill sets so that we can alleviate some of that friction? Yep. And, and I will tell you that we've had, you know, over the last three years, we've had two crews. One was the lath and plaster crew that, you know, every day out on the job site, they see our plumbers working, right? And so these guys build their own bonds, right? As they're out there, whether it's the lather and the plumber, or the framer and the plumber, or, you know, you, you build these relationships and you get to know those trades around you. And, and we've had that lath and plaster crew decided they wanted to come over and, and learn how to be plumbers. This is be, before the Craftsman Academy. And so they did, right? And they're now one of our top plumbing crews. Uh, most recently from, from an eighth local AC company, we had one of their, what we know to be top crews. Uh, decided, hey, AC isn't for me. Uh, I want to try to learn how to do plumbing. And so they came over and, and trained uh, with one of our top crews for six months. And now they're just after it. And, you know, but those are the one-off situations, right? They're those not, aren't, they're not that's bouncing not back and forth though. Either. They're not. Right. Yeah, they, they find yeah. something and they stick to it because there's always that specialty and that's the HVAC, your, your plumbing, your electrical that needs to stay a specialty but that's why, that's why an architect and an engineer are different right i mean they're exactly. like these are these are, these are disco these are domains 
um, where there's sciences in each of these. That's why it's always, mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when I, I was in the concrete company, we always said, we're going to start up a plumbing company. And we tried to start up a framing company and we got, we got our butts handed to us. And, in, in, um, and it's because there's so much to know. There's, there's an entire science that, that um, I guess you could, you could hire somebody that's a specialist in those and run an okay company and figure that out. But, but I think like as a tradesperson, like jumping between each of those and everything that you need to know is pretty tough. I'm not saying it can't be done. I mean, it, I've seen people can, do it. It can be done right now. We're doing foundation all the way until we'll, we'll do framing, siding, roofing, so on and so forth. But it's really because the guys that we've had, we, we've done this before many, many times and we know framing. That's our main go-to. That's our scope. We'll take framing any day of the week. We can do foundations, but sure, there is many things that we, we are not perfect by any means. We understand it. We know how to do it. My, my grandfather was a Mason by trade, but there is people out there that are far better than us, guaranteed. And when, when you have that specialty, you can hone in on it and really perfect your skills and make sure that you are performing at the best of your ability. And I, I think that's where things need to stay. I think some people might transition to doing, like I've mentioned, framing and then concrete or into siding. But for the most part, your guys' scope needs to stay honed in and just focus on what you're doing. I agree. You know, I was listening to one of your guys' podcasts and uh, it was, I believe it was a general contractor that said, you know, the piece rate takes the craftsman out of, out of the trade. Yeah. And, you know, all that piece rate guy is looking to do is, is get his money and move on. And so there's, there's no quality. And, you know, I'd challenge that a little bit and, and really it's the culture, right? And so the culture that, that you breed and develop, uh, my piece rate guys, predominantly speaking, they want to do a great job. You know, they're not after that dollar, of course. You know, the more money they make, the, the better they can take care of their families. But at the same time, they're not afraid to raise their hand when something isn't correct. And, and again, I push that back to culture. And I'd know, like to touch on that for a sec, quality. though, because you guys are paying legit. Your employees are taxed. Everything is legal. <laughs> Here in California, I, I can speak on behalf of that, the whole track rat mentality, because I've seen it firsthand a lot. And what you what you said is completely spot on that culture you've built this place where doing piecework isn't necessarily a bad thing here in california you go to some of these areas you're lucky if you get paid for doing the piecework you do uh, it'll never be on a check you're always getting cash it's Ooh. it's low standards it's terrible that's why i have such a strong hate for it is because there is no culture out here it's bottom dollar everything they're framing at $4 a foot when we're at 15 to 20, like it devalues the heck out of the industry out here. So I think you guys have managed to find a way to do it and make it to where it's more of a legit process. But as long as I've been around, I've known it to be as illegal as it gets, nothing's covered and a single accident, you're looking at going out of business. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm that glad that's not worth doing the reward. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing that you guys hold so foundation to the Brewer Academy. I mean, I'm looking at the courses right now, the top out in the soil and the first two things in the, the items is industry overview and values and HR expectations. You're, you're setting the foundation right from the get-go. It's not going out 
and, and learning the trade already. It's like, learn about the foundation that runs this company. And then we can yep. teach you how. Yep. And on day one, you know, our classes get a visit from myself uh, and our president, Tim Snyder. And, and the first thing that we do after welcoming them to the family is we talk about our core values and, and what mm-hmm. it means to, to live those core values. And it has to be a top down buy in by all, right? So the plumbers that you're going to be seeing out there in the field live and breathe our core values as much as the top executives do. And, and really it's just, it's about building the family, right? And that's, that's one of our core values is be family, right? Be family, be passionate, have fun. And that's really what it's about. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, we're getting close to wrapping up the episode. Um, before we end every episode, we, uh, we wrap up with a fast five. It's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. <laughs> All right, Leisure, you're going first. Oh, great. <laughs> all right. Number one, favorite musician of all time is? Oh, um, I'd say Hamilton Lighthouser. Right, do Bre- Google. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Walkman. <laughs> okay. Steve, what you got for us? Oh, am I answering the same question? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing uh, one, one. Yeah. George Strait. There we go. I know who that is. <laughs> do another Google. <laughs> really? <laughs> Come on. I know like oldies and classic rock, like the, the Leonard Skinner's, the Jimmy's and all of those guys, but these ones are going over my head. Number two, if you were on death row, what would your last meal be? I love these serious questions. I know. Yeah. These are, these I, are the hardest ones. I know these are hard. <laughs> I'm not even ready for them. Um, it'd probably be a uh, filet with scallops. Okay. There we go. Were you going to say that, Steve? I was. I was. But, <laughs> was t- but I tell so you what, choice. hey, Leisure is going filet and scallops. I'm taking my wife. She makes an amazing Italian macaroni and cheese. Okay. And uh, it's phenomenal. So if Leisure is going filet and scallops, I'll settle. <laughs> there we go. Number three, you're trapped on a deserted island. What's the one item you're bringing? You have no cell service. No cell service. Uh, deserted island. I'm probably bringing... I'm probably bringing a, a good knife. I'm bringing my wife. Can I change my? <laughs> <laughs> I can't listen to this. Hopefully, Sonny's not listening yeah. to this. Sonny, <laughs> don't listen to it. Uh, <laughs> Let's cut that out. <laughs> Number four, your one message to the next generation would be? I think it would be really just to invest in yourself and not, um, not do what everybody else is doing. You know, um, my, my message would probably be, if you find yourself on a deserted island, don't forget to take your wife. Um, <laughs> no, Steve, uh, I love you, man. <laughs> and and uh, in all seriousness, you know, really leave this industry better than when you got here, and, and you know, have that have that mantra with you every single day. I've um, never heard know, that leave, before, but leave I it a little it. better than you found it. That's a good one. They go hand in hand. If you don't invest in yourself, you can't leave a legacy. Number five, um, what does the phrase bread to build mean to you? Steve, you can go first this time if you want. Yeah. You know, bread to build uh, to me, again, my dad was a general contractor. I was on the job site as a kid, had had a lot of opportunity to be around construction, was told to, to stay away from it, essentially. I was but too. I am bread to build. You know, and I love this industry. I have a passion for it. 
And, uh, you know, that's really what it means to me. It hits home, right? That bread to build. That's me. It really um, does. And I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a similar story. I mean, I have, um, three generations of concrete placement, uh, uh, family, right? So my, my dad was concrete placement. My, I mean, I started there and, um, and I left the industry for a short period of time. I went, I mean, I studied English literature and Chinese and thought I was going to do something outside of construction. And I ended up, um, running a bike company for a few years. And the entire time I was doing it, I, I, I thought about the um, building homes for people that and the way that they live in them. Like I thought about the homes that, that we, were, we were building when I was at the concrete company. And so what brought me back to the industry. So I think, you know, my family's been in construction since before I was born. And like I said, three generations. And there's something that just draws me to homes, home building specifically. Like that's, that's um, a, when you see people living in those homes, living out their dreams, living out their lives, raising their families, that, that, that's something special to me. It's almost like it's what you were meant to do. Yeah. I can relate a lot to that going through finance and realizing that I had a magnet for the industry after. Right. I mean, it's something, it's something crazy when, uh, you can look back or just walk out your door and realize that nothing exists without this industry. Nothing that's kind of, that's all. kind of what that, that's, that's kind of where it opens right your eyes where you're like, Holy shit. I mean, it's, it's hard to see the breath of this industry until you every truly hospital, that. every building Everything. you walk into. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yep. you drive down the, the freeway and you're like, I built that subdivision and I built that subdivision. And Someone built, built the road you're driving on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's just, it's awesome, right? Uh, before we let you guys off the hook, though, uh, where can people find you and where can they learn more about the Brewer Academy? Go ahead, Steve. Is, is Brewer, well, you can find us at brewercompanies.com. Um, and I think both of Steve and I have LinkedIn LinkedIn accounts, you know. Um, all, all contact info will be in the description of this podcast episode. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah, I'd love to hear from uh, anyone that's even, you know, contemplating possibly throwing together a school you know, growing this industry. Love to hear from you. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the 13th episode of the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. If you like this episode, share it with a friend, drop an awesome review, do what you got to do. As always, free to contact me further at Brett Owen on Hammer and IG. Also, big announcement, we're launching Android. So all you waitlist guys, go get it. Included. Is it out yet? It's dropped. By the time this episode goes out, it will be. Oh, there we go. I need to download that. You guys can connect with me on all social platforms at Matt Bangswood. We'll see you guys next time on the Bread Build Podcast. So if you shoot, you better shoot now. Shot!